Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Beyond the bend in the road, there may be a well, and there may be a castle, and there may be just more road. I don't know, and don't ask. As long as I'm on the road that's before the bend, I look only at the road before the bend, because the road before the bend is all I can see. It would do me no good to look anywhere else, or at what I can't see. Welcome, you svelte and gyrating bird of paradise, to the first of our Copon Road to Madrid specials. Those opening lines were from 1914. Uh, the great Portuguese writer Fernando Pessoa, uh, one of his uncollected poems. My name is Owen, and you can follow Copon on Twitter at Copon Podcast. You can send us your fishing scams, your nudie pics, or your song ideas to coponpodcast at gmail.com. You may also help support us for as little as one, yes, just one US dollar per month via patreon.com forward slash coponpodcast, and you could win prizes indeed for doing so. But without further Erica. Thank you immeasurably for listening, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. So, I'm joined by Shane Weichel and Fergus McFadden, and uh, I'm going to jump straight into it with a question for you, Fergus, because on Cop On, we've already had Shane's reaction to the disappointment of the end of the Premier League season and missing out to Man City. But since then, quite a lot's happened. So, Fergus, I want to start by asking you, what's your reaction to, to coming second to City? And also, what's your reaction to their reaction of winning? Because they've been a little bit classless, you could say. Yeah, well, first of all, it was, um, we did have a seven-point lead going into the new year. We had a fantastic Christmas period, and uh, even though our, our, um, our season has been rel- relatively far better than last year in terms of the league, um, I think we can be a, a bit disappointed, and rightly so. And looking at the players' faces as they left the pitch after the Wolves match, uh, they were disappointed too, so... I mean, rightly so. We had a seven-point lead. We were up against an awesome City side. And um, unfortunately, we came up a bit short. I think if we are to change anything next year, we have to be a bit more attacking in those matches where they're tight. I mean, we went away to Man City. We went away to Everton. And if we had um, one or two extra players on the bench or one or two extra attacking players that we can sign for next season, then that might make the difference in those in those games. I think Klopp, he's always seems to be a manager that's learning all the time, as we do as well. And I think he'll have learned from that, that, that a point away at Man United is not good enough and a point away at Everton is not good enough. And um, whatever other draws we had, I think we drew with Arsenal as well and a few other draws early in the season. So next year, in order to uh, really compete with Man City, we've got to go for the victory in every single game and go for 100 points because uh, we can't aim for anything less. Um, So City, um, on the field, they deserved it. We all know about their their finances and the question marks there, but as a team, 
you can't fault them uh, with their manager. The squad is fantastic. They obviously have players like Mares, Sane, um, Jesus, who are, you know, hundred million pound players who can't even get in the side. So, um, you know, that's obviously an awesome squad. Um, yeah, the video emerged of them on the plane. Uh, it's one thing when when fans sing distasteful songs, and we all know that it's it's a way to get at the opposition fans to rile them, etc. And um, you might expect it from some uh, uneducated fans, from fans who don't know any better or who are just, uh, you know, think it's a bit of banter. But um, when the team do it, and uh, I did watch the video once. And I don't know if it was the entire team. It seemed to be a city staffer who was singing that distasteful song about, well, we all know the lyrics. Um, the city fans have been singing it all season. Uh, but uh, how many of the players um, joined in, we don't know. But it, it really does, um, it, it shows, I mean, city, city fans certainly they seem to have an inferiority complex when it comes to Liverpool. When they win a match like the FA Cup, uh, they were even during that match they were singing about the same song about Liverpool. Also, when they won the Premier League, um, they're singing it. But you don't expect the players to sing it. Um, so you know, and th their apology was very watery. City have a very strong PR department and a very strong legal department. So in that sense, you're dealing with like a it's like dealing with Coca-Cola, you know, they're, they're a multinational corporation, which is um, all about its image and keeping its image clean, you know, and they are, they are a whitewashing business for UAE, as we know. So they're very good at um, trying to, um, to, to, to uh, keep their legal side uh, clean, as in employ four or five different uh, legal firms you know, in the way they defend themselves against UEFA. And also, they're always their, their PR when it comes to anything about UEFA and anything about even this song emerging from the plane. That their statements are, are always washing their hands of everything and denying everything. And pretty much there was a watery apology, but, but nothing real. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that really affected me is the fact that they, you know, as you say, it's one thing the fans doing it, another thing the players doing it I mean you know as if they didn't understand the lyrics um, I mean what 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 does battered in the streets refer to is it some kind of fish and chip stand in Manchester I don't think so uh, you know it's absolutely horrific it's horrific and inexcusable but then they didn't really apologize they're like well I don't know yeah we of course you know Pep Guardiola of course we didn't you know we didn't mean it we wouldn't uh, mock these tragedies well they did, you know, the video is there. And it's, uh, yeah, it strikes me as utterly balmy, uh, Ferguson. Yeah, thanks for your thoughts on that. I agree with you. Um, Shane, it does leave a bitter taste, doesn't it? So, yes, this has been a very tricky situation for me as a supporter of the club. I completely agree with what Fergus has said in your assessment as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a distasteful song. Um, and I know every supporter, I mean, uh, every fan base, every supporter group, uh, w there's a history of songs that are in bad taste. There are a history of banners that have been in bad taste. And there has been wrong done by, you know, a marginal few or, a, you know, a larger in the case of 
you know, a whole stadium with City singing the song and then the players singing it as well. It's it's not good. It's it's in bad taste. Um, I just, hmm, I just don't know. I just don't know how, what how to take a high road on this. I really am stuck in this place, and maybe you two could illuminate for me. I mean, obviously condemning them uh, publicly, like shaming them, saying this is wrong, and condemning them for for uh, for such a thing, and and, and uh, dispelling it, obviously in the public forum, in the public spaces. Um, but I don't want to fall into that, uh, to the, you know, the, being, being able to be perceived or painted as the, the second place sore loser who's just complaining about something. And, and this is something far bigger than that. And I'm probably erring too much on the side of that because this is something bigger. We're talking about Sean Cox, uh, a man who was, brutally, it was brutalized in the streets and suffered significant brain damage and is still undergoing surgery and therapy. And um, just thinking about it brings tears to my eyes right now. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's terrible. And all, all these things in our sport and in our game are, 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 are awful. I mean, this racism, I just, it's so, it's so heartbreaking that in our beautiful game that is celebrated by the world, that is celebrated by all these multicultural it crosses all these borders and it's been in our history as a people. And then it also comes with it, the bad things that have been in our history as people. And I just want it gone. I just want it all gone. And I just don't want to think about it ever again. No, you see, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, reference to victims, reference to Hillsborough disaster, it's disgusting. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Fergus said it before. I mean, you you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a, there's a minority of every club. You know, there are some some idiotic and uh, you know disgusting uh, people who call themselves Liverpool fans who would sing songs about the the Munich air disaster. And you know, I totally agree with you, Shane. This needs to get get out of, you know out of uh, not just football but people's minds in general people can just sort of i don't know wake up a bit but anyway another thing that was uh, interesting was was pep guardiola's reaction uh, when a journalist asked him um whether he'd received any extra payments i don't know if you've both seen that or the listeners you've seen that but uh, you know, methinks the baldy doth protest too much. He was a he was very very cagey, um, extremely cagey about uh, about this. So just as an experiment, um, Fergus, would you mind asking me if I've ever received any extra payment for for any work? You know, for either from the UAE or anybody else. Would you mind asking me that question? Oh, and have you ever received any extra payments? from the UAE for any work you've done? Uh, no, I haven't, Fergus. No, no, I mean, you know, no, absolutely not. Uh, that wasn't difficult, you see, and that's the point I'm making. It's true, I haven't received any payments, and how easy was that to deny? Fergus, have you received any payments from the UAE? Certainly not, although I haven't checked my bank account lately, but uh, <laughs> I don't have any uh, inclination, I don't have any indication that they're going to pay me for anything. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. And Shane, have you received any extra payments from the United Arab Emirates or anybody else? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm paid up to the gills. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> a 
here on the behalf of the UAE. Of course you are. Of course you are. Excellent. Well, let's move on then. That's enough about Man City. We are Liverpool Football Club, an altogether greater institution. We're going to the final of the greatest club competition in the world and uh, I found some general stats from this year's Champions League of course 124 matches have been played in total but there's one left the final on the 1st of June 364 goals have been scored in this year's Champions League in total which works out as 2.94 goals per match or 32 minutes per goal. So we could be in for, you know, a really interesting final if those averages are anything to go by. And if we zoom into the finalists, Liverpool and Spurs, and look at their records, their total records, both teams have played 12, okay? Um, so Liverpool at home played six, won five, drawn one, and lost zero. Whereas away, Liverpool have played 6-1-2, drawn 0 and lost 4. Wow. As for Tottenham Hotspur, uh, their home form, they've played 6-1-4, drawn 0 and lost 2. And their away form, they've won 2, drawn 2 and lost 2. Uh, Fergus, what do you think of the overall records of both of the teams? It's a bit surprising that, you know, both teams have lost four matches. And, I don't know, can we read anything into their general uh, form going into this match? Well, I think certainly for Liverpool, earlier in the season, uh, Klopp was still trying to find his his, um, strongest side. The midfield was still coming together. Um, our away form wasn't wasn't too good, and um, I think our home form has saved our bacon in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, I think that most of those losses sustained by both sides were in the group stage. So they, you know, losing a match in the group stage isn't the end of the world. So they did enough in the group stages to qualify. Liverpool did, and Tottenham did. As far as I recall, we both qualified in second place in our groups. Um, And we did enough to get through, um, you know, with the demands of the EPL uh, and and the Champions League game squeezed in. So and then the knockout stage is when, you know, it's a bit like the World Cup or any tournament, you know, that good teams really get going in the knockout stages. And that's when Liverpool and Tottenham, you know, both really got going. Excellent answer. Yeah. Um, Shane, I've got a couple more, uh, you know, encouraging statistics for you Uh, in total in in the whole Champions League run, Liverpool uh, have had 172 attempts on goal and scored 22 goals. Spurs have had 183 attempts on goal and scored 20 goals. So we scored two more goals than them in total. Uh, But the average goals per match is quite interesting. We've, uh, on average, scored 1.83 compared to Spurs, 1.67. But defensively, We've conceded an average of just one goal and Spurs an average of 1.47. So the stats say, uh, you know, we, we, we score more goals and then we concede less. That's very encouraging, isn't it, Shane? Without a doubt. 
Yes. Uh, those stats, thank you for pulling those out uh, The for the comparison. Yeah, it looks like we could edge them in an attack and edge them in defense, and both of them together, you would think the, the, the average or the median would balance out to a positive result in Liverpool's favor. Um, it's just one example of how statistically uh, we seem to have uh, an edge, and I would say that's... Uh, it's it's obvious on the statistical side, but it's also obvious to uh, to any supporter or anybody observing the matches about uh, the dominance we display. Though it did seem dicey uh, a little bit in the in the group stage, it seemed like the uh, potentially those Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde performances that had been in our 2016 season under Klopp had kind of reared their head somewhat, but uh, we were able to dispel them and uh, move through. And as Fergus said do what we needed to do just to get through, which was what we needed. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's have a look at the group uh, stage in some detail then. This is our road to Madrid. We're going to cover this over two different uh, episodes of Cop On. So we're going to start with the group stage because I'd, I'd forgotten a lot of the details of this. Our very first game was at Anfield in this Champions League run. It was the 18th of September. Liverpool 3 Paris Saint-Germain 2. Daniel Sturridge scored our first goal of this Champions League campaign. There's a good trivia question for you in your pub quiz. And then James Milner scored a penalty on 36 minutes. Then Meunier pulled one back for Paris on 40 minutes. And then seven minutes before full-time, Mbappe got an equaliser. 2-2. Only for the substitute, Bobby Firmino, uh, 90 plus two minutes uh, to, to come in, score that beautiful winner, that famous low shot into the bottom corner. This one, for me personally, was, I remember it very well because there's, there is a new subscription service called RMC in France and they famously in France had lots of technical problems so even though I'd paid to watch the match me and hundreds of thousands of other people we couldn't watch it because there were so many technical problems so I missed the winning goal and I missed most of this match um do you remember it Fergus what are your thoughts on this one yeah well I mean overall uh, Liverpool's home form is what really has brought us through to the Champions League final. And I think, you know, any, most of the match, all the matches we lost in the Champions League this season were away. And this was another example of the home form being brilliant. Um, I remember thinking in the first half, uh, what was the score at half time? It would have been two. Yeah, it was two one at half time. But we really we were two nil up until Mounier got uh, one on the 40th minute. And um, we really battered them them in the first half. It was a brilliant performance because I remember expecting quite a lot from PSG coming to the game. There was quite a big build-up. Neymar was playing. Neymar was on the left, but he was he was. I can't remember who we played at right back. Um, it might have been uh, Milner. It must have been Milner since he scored a penalty in the first half. But um, but Neymar had a few kind of mazy dribbles, but he was snuffed out every single time. And uh, we we were fantastic in this game, and it it was really unbelievable when we got to the um, Paris. Only really came into the game in the last ten minutes when we were two one up, and uh, Mbappe got an equaliser. And really, they didn't deserve it. It was two two. 
So when Bobby came on as a substitute, I think he didn't start because of some fitness issue. But uh, when he came on and scored the winner in injury time, it was completely deserved. So it, it was up until that point of the season, I thought it was our best performance of the season. So uh, completely deserved that, um, that win uh, with Bobby's goal in, in injury time. Well, that's a very good summary. Um, just to confirm, though, the lineups, uh, Milner was actually in midfield. Robertson was at left back. Uh, Joe Gomez at centre back with Van Dyke, and Trent was on the right. Uh, Milner was obviously then in midfield with... Um, with uh, with Vinealdum and Henderson, the famous Brexit midfield. We'll talk a bit about that later. But you're absolutely right, Fergus. We had 17 shots to their nine. We totally deserved that win. What do you remember about it, Shane? This has got to be one of my favorite games of the entire season. Um, I really think it it was a great way to set this whole Champions League campaign afire. Uh, <laughs> A few weeks ago, when I was trying to pick my goal of the season, my moment of the season, it had been just before the Barcelona second leg at Anfield. So before that, I would have said my moment of the season would have been Bobby's winner uh, against PSG. It was this wonderful moment to where, um, if I remember properly, um, there was a lot of narratives going swirling around at the time about how our run going to the Champions League final last year compared to our run going in this year in our group stage draw. And I remember there being quite a lot of negative uh, narratives about or uh, headlines about how easy uh, our run was last year and how much more difficult our run this year was going to be. Um, so it, it was this chance to actually go up against a, a, a quote unquote European heavyweight in PSG to start off the whole uh, to start off the whole season. And it was definitely a, a kind of a marquee prime time event, and uh, it lived up to it. It was such an exciting, uh, such an exciting game. I mean, if it would have been in a, if it would have been in a knockout stage, you know, to go to a semifinal or to go to a final, it would have been hailed as, you know, one of those great nights. But uh, and I think I still think it kind of is, honestly. So yeah, no. Um, if I remember properly, I I thought Trent Alexander Arnold did a wonderful job in the game. Um, I also noted that Daniel Sturridge had a wonderful game as well. Trina Alexander-Arnold had some wonderful crosses coming in on the right side. And you are right. He pretty much snuffed everything out coming in. Um, I, I also found an interesting statistic, and I'd like to hear what you guys thought. The, the one area that it seemed like PSG uh, beat us out, and these stats are according to whoscored.com, it seemed like their aerial success was 70% compared to our 30%. So it seemed, especially with Virgil van Dijk, I, I was wondering how they were so much more successful in the air for that match than we were. It's a very good, yeah, it's a very good question. I think what it probably is, is that we tried, there was a thing earlier in the season that we, we sort of ironed it out by, by early March time. But there was this thing we did where we we'd lost a bit of creativity or something in a match and our and our defenders tried some you know what i call the wafted chip and it's my least favorite pass in football it's when you you're passing it around no one's moving enough so instead of the defenders passing to the guy next to them and try to you know increase the tempo of the simple passing 
they they give up and they just do this wafted chip and then you know PSG they've got they've got big players at the back they got Kim Pembe uh, Thiago Silva Marquinhos all three of those played in that match and I think that's where our headed you know aerial domination would have you know we we, we would have suffered I think that's probably it but. Let's move on because we don't have a, an extraordinary amount of time. Sorry, Shane, you want to say something? Um, oh, I was just going to say um, uh, the, another moment that I loved from the game uh, was Milner's hip check on Neymar. Uh, and then I think he had a lovely Twitter post that went viral for us. And then um, I guess the last thing would be Milner won the ball back right before Firmino's uh, final shot. And what a celebration for Firmino with the, uh, with the hand over the, uh, the left eye. But uh, yeah. Uh, aside from that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, so, yeah, good. Okay. Let's move on to, to, to uh, the next match, which was, uh, for me, our second worst performance of the season because uh, the next match was away to Napoli. So we went in on a high. We'd started well in the league. We, we'd beaten PSG in the Champions League. And uh, Klopp went for an interesting midfield, you know, with... All of the criticism of the Hendo, Genie, Milner midfield that Klopp seemed to like so much. He went for a different one in this game with Cater, Genie and Milner in midfield. Cater went off injured after 19 minutes and then Hendo came on. But this was a horrible performance. I believe that Napoli had about uh, 15 shots uh, in total to our four. We had zero on target. They won in the last minute through Insigne. They could have won earlier. Mertens hit the bar. Gomez cleared one off the line from Callejon. And for me, this this one um, is indicative of uh, a particular kryptonite that I've mentioned before on Copon, which is when we play against a 4-4-2. And it's very strange, this sort of old you know, 70s tactic of 4-4-2. It's, it's the simplest formation in the game. We seem to come unstuck against it. And I don't know what you think of it, Fergus, what the problem was in this match, or what you, what you remember from this match in general. But Napoli won, Liverpool FC nil. It was a difficult one to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually went to the game. I made the effort to go to Napoli and... Uh... Beautiful city, enjoyed that bit, but really the the low light of the trip was um, was going to the match. Um, not only because the way that the away fans are treated, uh, you, you're kettled into buses and you and you, you go to a stadium. The stadium is um, is, is um, pretty archaic, crumbling, uh, very few facilities, and then to top it all off, it was really was a dismal performance. It was a cold night. It was wet and rainy. Um, so, and then to have to watch that game and and suffer through it, really. Liverpool, as you said, were dreadful. I think it probably was the worst performance of the season. Um, didn't wasn't helped by Cater going off after 19 minutes, which disrupted the the plans. I thought Napoli were, were fantastic on the night. I was surprised they didn't do better in the Champions League going forward because uh, they really dominated and 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 Liverpool were playing on the the counter-attack really. Um Napoli had uh, most of the possession from what I remember. And um 
so yeah it was it was a, a, a poor performance all round and also a really disappointing late goal by Napoli by Insigne he scored in in injury time just when I thought we'd done enough to get a nil nil draw so um yeah b- bad performance and it was one of those performances that led us to really question the midfield and and the lack of creativity um which you know Klopp later later on sorted out but it, it, it certainly in this game it, it, it nothing really worked no it didn't did it and and uh, yeah just to confirm you're absolutely right i mean napoli did dominate possession 57% to our 43% so yeah it was pretty horrible to watch wasn't it shane Yes, it was unfortunately quite a difficult game to watch. Uh, they had 705 passes to our 532, which, I mean, seems like a lot. But, uh, yeah, they completely dominated position, like you said. It, I, I've noted in my match report that really Napoli were the, just the better side. It wasn't, yes, we, we were stagnant, we were lacking creativity, and we were sputtering, uh, so to speak, but Napoli overall, I was I was writing a lot of notes down about how great Milik ha, uh, had such a good game, how Kudabali had such a good game against Mo. According to WhoScored.com, Mo had a rating of 5.8, and that's all due to Kudabali staying so close and so tight on him. Um, and that even continued on uh, until when we played them later on. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, they uh, I thought honestly we were a little lucky to walk away with only a 1-0 loss. I remember one moment when uh, Mertens, uh, on a cross, uh, volleyed the ball against the crossbar, and it was going to completely beat Allison. Um, So, yeah, I think we were lucky to come away 1-0 against us. Okay, let's move away from that one as quick as we can uh, and move on to a a much brighter performance, which was um, on the 24th of October at Anfield. We uh, hosted Cervena Zvezda, which, if you didn't know, was means Red Star, Red Star Belgrade. Uh, we beat them 4-0. Bobby scored after 20 minutes, Mo uh, 45 minutes, and from the penalty spot, 51 minutes. And then Sadio Mane on 80 minutes. I mean, this was... Uh, we actually it actually put us top of Group C after this emphatic win. Um, Salah scored two, uh, and that you know it, his second one took his tally for Liverpool to to fifty in all competitions. Um, he obviously took a bit longer to reach fifty goals just in the Premier League a bit later in the season, but but uh, you know he, he was absolutely brilliant. And then Sadio Mane missed his own penalty. But then scored again. So our front three was firing. It was a lovely performance at Anfield. Just what we needed. And at that point, uh, Shane, I'll, I'll go to you first this time. And at that point, you're thinking, OK, we're in a difficult group, but we're we're in charge. We're, we're on top. Um, you know, do you remember how you felt after this one? Yes, I felt like I was on. Oh, we were on cloud nine. I felt like we had just gotten back to that uh, Champions League form that we had had the previous season um, where we had dramatically were, were blown away Porto and other teams and we were just handling our business without a doubt. And so it seemed like, hey, they've rounded back into form. Fabinho, this, I believe this was his standout game, that one in the Huddersfield game as well, uh, where he just came into form. He was absolutely influential. Shakiri in midfield made a difference. Um, yeah, I it was it was wonderful. It was such an exciting game. Anfield was in full voice. Um, I I honestly was just so happy with it, and it 
and in hindsight, it really was uh, laying the foundation for kind of the ups and downs of our quality and, and performances for the group stage. So yeah, it's just uh, it's hard to uh, it's uh, it's a little bit harder to enjoy this game knowing what's coming up after this. Yes, exactly. Because yeah, the return match was two weeks after. We'll we'll talk about that in a, in in a sh- very short while. But Fergus, I want your your thoughts on uh, Liverpool four, uh, Red Star nil. I mean, you you mentioned it before. Our home form has been exceptional in the Champions League this season, and you've got to wonder. I mean, there does seem to be a fear factor for for teams travelling to Anfield, which will only be exacerbated by the fact that not only did we beat Red Star 4-0, we also beat Barcelona 4-0, of course, uh, just a a couple of weeks ago. Um, You know, teams, they've got to be scared now of coming to Anfield, haven't they? And, you know, what do you remember about this this match against Red Star? Yeah, I remember it was pretty much a a routine win. Um, You know, Anfield was expectant, everyone goes in, thinking that these are the, the whipping boys of the group, and they were, and we, we beat them 4-0, so happy days, everything as expected. Uh, Fabinho, as Shane said, had, had one of his the, the best matches of his early Liverpool career. Um, just looking at who scored, he had a 90% pass success rate, and he had an 8.8 rating as man of the match. So he was fantastic that game. But everyone was really good that game as well. So it just seemed like a routine win and we just seemed to be rolling rolling through the Champions League group, really. Yeah, totally, totally. But then, disaster struck two weeks later on the on the 6th of, of November when, interestingly, uh, Fabinho didn't play. I, I was very surprised when I saw the lineup that had a, a midfield of... Vinelda, Milner and Lalana, and Mane, Sturridge and Salah up front. Our defence that day was Trent, VVD, Matip and Robbo. So that could be the, the defence that starts the final. But that midfield without Fabinho, without Henderson, I mean, you could see the value of those two players. I mean, good on them, Red Star. I mean, they, they, they claimed Serbia's first ever group uh, group stage win and uh, their scorer Pav Pavkov who must have been delighted with his brace he had that bullet header and that spectacular long range strike and that result put Red Star just two points behind Liverpool and Napoli while uh, you know uh, PSG were, were winning the group at that stage um, Fergus, that was a that was a kick in the teeth, wasn't it? And for me, I don't know. Starting Lalana and Sturridge in the Champions League, it's okay in the League Cup, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was a it it came before um, obviously it came before some Premier League game at the weekend, and the the, the thinking was by Klopp that uh, he would um, save save a couple of players for for the. For the league game, and you know, having beaten uh, Red Star um, handily enough the week before, we all thought this this could be a routine win. But you know, going um, going to a game like this, go, going so far from home, etc. Always, when you play a weekend lineup, it does it does make you a bit nervous, and and that's what happened this time. And you know, it, it was it was a pretty poor performance by by Liverpool, and. Um, and overall, I thought uh, Red Star 
deserved their win. Uh, there was that striker Pavkov, who's, who's a you know a journeyman striker, and he scored a a brilliant long long range goal out of the blue. Um, I think that was the only shot, well, apart from Messi's shot in the semi-final that beat Alisson out from outside the box all season. So, I mean, Red Star were brilliant that day. They had a um, they had a, a vociferous crowd on their side. Um, I think the weather wasn't good, and uh, Liverpool just didn't play well. And as you say, that midfield just didn't work really. Lalana had come in; he hasn't played much football at all this season, and didn't do much in the game. Sturridge was up front, and we know that he's he's um, you know he, he's he's good at taking pot shots and stuff, but uh, he really can't um, tackle and get back and get involved as much as Bobby Firmino can. So, and at that time early in the season as well, we know how later on that alexander arnold and robertson became sort of assist machines uh but er early in the season i don't think we'd quite developed our playing style and 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 i can't remember them marauding forward too much so yeah overall um not a good day yeah very fair assessment shane we sucked didn't we to use an americanism Yes, thank you. Thank you for using an Americanized uh, uh, terminology there. Now, now I understand. Yes, we did. We did suck. But what's surprising is that um, I felt like what was so frustrating about this match is that we had dominated in possession. We had dominated in passing and we just didn't turn anything into a goal. Uh, I mean, hats off to Red Star. I mean, we had 23 shots, only four of which were on target. And Honestly, I had a hard time remembering those four that were on target. They didn't even seem like they were potent or really worth anything. I think we were victims of our own success in the previous in the previous match, had beating them for nothing. I believe we probably went into it a little bit lax that we had had it uh, that we had the uh, match handled, and uh, they caught us napping. Uh, Sturridge did not have a good game. He did not link up play well. Uh, he struggled to replace Firmino uh, in this role in terms of that key link-up play. Um, I think he really, really struggled with that. He seemed like he was lost on the pitch. Um, Lallana did, did not have the best match either. Personally, um, I know that the Liverpool fan base is kind of divided on Lallana. I personally like Lallana. I realize that he might not be of the same caliber uh, as some of our other midfield players, but I think he, uh, I, I, I appreciate the qualities that he does have, and I, I can kind of see what Klopp sees in him as well. But that being said, he didn't have a good game, did not have a good game at all, and uh, that was probably due to being out of form. Um, and then also Trent, this game came uh, during a period when Trent seemed to be kind of on a downturn or just in a little bit of a slump, and Trent did not seem uh, to do the best either. Um, one interesting note uh, was also something that I was just shaking my head at, was in total passes, uh, Liverpool had 677 passes to Red Star's 267 passes. It seems like, and, and they won 2 nothing. So, yeah, overall, it did not seem like the best way to go about it. Well, it is interesting, yeah, you mentioned in the stats. I mean, if you look at them, I mean, it was a bit of an anomaly that match. But for me, yes, I mean, oof, I, you know, as soon as I saw the lineup, Lalana and Sturridge, I don't like being 
you know, not very confident in Liverpool players, but those two, I think, you know, their best days are behind them, unfortunately, unfortunately. The next match, I mean, another team played 4-4-2 against us, PSG, and they won 2-1 at the Parc des Princes on the 28th of November 2018. I remember it very well because I was there. I managed to get a ticket because obviously I live in Paris, but also I, you know, I, 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 you know, I teach English and I work sometimes with footballers. I managed to get a ticket. I was extremely grateful for that. But the 4-4-2 was, you know, against us. It's, it, it works because we play this 4-3-3. And with a 4-4-2 against us, you can outnumber us out wide. So Neymar, Bernat and Mbappe were basically all three attacking, you know, on, on the left side of the pitch, uh, leaving Joe Gomez exposed to deal with Neymar and Mbappe together, who were combining throughout the match. Wijnaldum went over to Klopp, I remember, on about 27 minutes, asking for some help on that side, because Wijnaldum was on our right side of midfield, and it was really, really tough match to deal with. I thought we were quite lucky to get one goal. Um, at that stage, Paris Saint-Germain leapfrogged us into second spot uh, with just one more match in the group stage remaining. Klopp went with Lovren at centre-back, Gomez at right-back, the Brexit midfield, full strength up front. Um, what did you make of this one, Fergus? This was, uh, This was, I mean, it had me... Uh, had me thinking. It had me doubting that we would go through. I, I, I was, I was nervous after this one. Yes, absolutely. Coming after the two-nil loss away to Red Star and then losing um, away to PSG, it really showed our um, sort of Jekyll and Hyde form away from home compared to at home. And as you say, it had us doubting whether we'd go through. Um, I really thought, as Shane said, when we had um, completely outplayed and outpassed PSG at home, I thought, you know, I thought it's no bother. I, I was confident we'd even beat them away because I just thought we're so much better than them. But they surprised me. Uh, they, PSG played very well. Liverpool uh, didn't play well at all. Neymar was, was excellent on the night. He had, um, he had, the, he had a lot of space and time to attack down the left. Um, he got man of the match on, on who scored 8.1. Mbappe was very dangerous. And, um, you know, even though uh, looking at the possession, I'm surprised to see we had 56.5% uh, of the possession. So we had most of the possession. Um, but, but they, you know, PSG were better on the night. Um, they went 2-0 up uh, through Bernat and Neymar. And then Milner scored in, in just after half time to give us some hope. But um, I don't remember us ever looking like we would we would really uh, get much out of the game, and um, yeah, it was it was a disappointing performance. Henderson's played uh, as the number six, and as Klopp found out, and we all remember later in the season, it's really not his best position. So, you know, if it was later in this season, then Vinaldum would have played uh, as the number six with Henderson sort of marauding on the right. Uh, but th those were the, the things we were learning at the time. Very fair assessment, I think. Uh, what did you make of it, Shane, this this loss away in Paris? It was tough. It was the moment when I thought we had actually thrown away the Champions League campaign 
in hopes of the Premier League campaign and hopes of lifting that Premier League trophy. It seemed as if as a fan base, we were only going to be focusing on the Premier League and that we were just going to have to suck up uh, the Champions League uh, loss that we weren't going to go. We weren't going to progress out of the group and that keep your chins up because we look like we could we could do it this year in the Premier League. And not to worry, we'll we'll get them next year. And it was disappointing. It was very disappointing uh, because personally, for me as a supporter, you know, revenge is on my mind uh, for uh, for Kiev uh, uh, almost. Yeah. Uh, But um, it almost set up uh, not almost for me. I think it actually made this campaign far more dramatic and far more exciting than last year where we set our uh, where we set our records with the number of goals that we scored over the campaign our record breaking numbers how potent and dangerous our front three were and just how we were just racking up racking up the goals going forward this was equally or even more so exciting in terms of we were just cutting it close it was like indiana jones pulling his hat barely through right before you know right before whatever wall shuts in whatever temple so it seemed like by you know by the hair of our chinny chin chins um that's all in the retrospect. That's all looking back on it. For the game itself, yeah, it was it was a frustrating it was a frustrating game. I mean, we had 17 crosses, and typically our crosses turn into goals, which is which is dearly upsetting. Um, I also noted um, that yeah, Lovren starting. Um, Van Dyke also didn't have a great game as well. It seemed uh, he also earned a yellow card. Um, so yeah, it. I went into it with this expectation that we could put away PSG, that I, we had this moment where we could actually knock them out of the group stage and knock them out of the tournament, and that we could have laid down this marker to the rest of the competition, to the rest of the media, like, hey, we knocked out one of the big boys. Um, and we didn't capitalize on it, and it felt like you know, a moment slipped through our hands. Um, yeah, so... That's what I remember. Well, it's a very good assessment. I mean, I was, I was. Uh, there was a part of me that that was actually happy that we still had a chance to go through, and Paris Saint Germain uh, didn't get knocked out because, um, you know, one thing about about teams going out early and teams doing badly is that, you know, often, you know, some of the staff and the players they end up losing their jobs. And uh, there's something about the human side of football that that gets lost as a fan. And I was just happy that, you know, some of my students got to keep their jobs and and keep and keep going. Because uh, yeah, we that that loss did leave us with one more chance against Napoli at Anfield, the 11th of December. It's a very memorable match. Liverpool won Napoli nil with Salah scoring in the 34th minute. Uh, It's very memorable for for a lot of reasons. We needed to win either 1-0 or by two goals. Um, So we won 1-0. Our defending was absolutely excellent. Matip was brilliant. That was like one of his best performances. Uh, And then Mo Salah, I mean, finally getting the better of Koulibaly. And then with his right foot, surprising the keeper by not crossing and shooting into the far corner. And then, of course, Alisson's save. I read on Reddit... Uh, that we've made apparently uh, 70 million plus in this year's Champions League run alone. So that save that Alisson made in injury time uh, that ensured that we would progress 
uh, has basically paid for his transfer fee already. Um, it was a heck of a match. I was going crazy. I was in the Liverpool supporters bar in Paris and uh, I remember I was celebrating that save as if it were a goal and someone behind me said, why are you celebrating? You shouldn't be celebrating. And to this day, it mystifies me why anyone could not see that save as one of the best moments of the season. It was absolutely fabulous. Where were you, Fergus? Where, you, where, where, where did you watch this match and what did you think of it? It's a very good question. I was trying to think where I was because I was travelling and I missed it. I was probably in Africa at the time where I go down for work. and uh, So I didn't see it at all live. Um, I caught up with some of the highlights afterwards. Um, but I did realise uh, I was tense in the lead up to the game and I realised how important it was and Liverpool had to win by 1-0 or 2-0. And um, just looking at the stats now, um, Alexander-Arnold got man of the match, uh, 8.3 on who scored. So he must have been brilliant down the right, along with Salah as well, supplying Salah. Um, Alisson, uh, I, I remember the highlight of the Alisson save. And uh, I think it was just another... Uh, wonderful uh, Anfield night when, you know, Napoli, who had beaten us uh, at home, so obviously, we, you know, we came in with, with, you know, fearing them a bit. Obviously, we'd lost the previous two games against PSG and uh, Red Star, so it wasn't looking look too good for us. But I think, you know, the players and, and Anfield just had another great night. Yeah, it was certainly like that. Where where were you, Shay? Did you, did you manage to watch this one? Yes, uh, I was actually at home uh, with my girlfriend. We were watching it. She was sitting down on the couch uh, as a calm, normal adult. Uh, I, on the other hand, as a maniac, was it was going from completely standing to on my knees. And when Allison made that save, <laughs> I was my, I was on my knees. My hands were on my head. I I just couldn't take it. But I was celebrating as if it was a goal, as if we as if the significance would have been a goal as well. Uh, so, yeah, so to, to whoever said, why are you celebrating? The, preposterous, absolutely preposterous. Bollocks, you, you should be celebrating every time Allison gets his hand on that ball because I have complete confidence that we're going to be okay. So there's to that. But the game overall, I, I, uh, now looking back on it, it's the, it was the first time we had seen in the Champions League lineup the full-strength lineup that we actually see today more often than not. And I thought we started to come into form as a team. The one word I wrote down for this match, defiance. Uh, for defiance, because I believe during that time, Salah had been dealing with kind of some negative uh, shtick from the media about his form. There was a lot of uh, second-season slump stuff going around, one-season wonder. Um, then also Allison uh, defiantly saving uh, the ball from uh, Milik, I believe, or was it? Yeah, it, uh, I can't remember who exactly w uh, made that shot there at the end. I believe it was Milik. Um, but yeah, let me, uh, according to my notes, it, it was great that we were able to see the challenges that we had faced in those Champions League away losses, but we were able to overcome them. We were able to overcome those struggles. And uh we actually started lending credence uh, to ourselves as like proper contenders for doing uh, for doing something great for the whole campaign. Because with those losses, I, I would say we didn't really give ourselves any sort of room to argue for uh, any sort of heavyweights for the season. Um, looking at the the stats, uh, yeah, it's Salah. I, I I remember it was like uh, eleven times Salah went up against Kudabali, like ten times Kudabali won, except for the one time 
in the 34th minute when uh, Salah put away that goal. So, yeah, I was absolutely happy. I was absolutely ecstatic. It was a nail-biter. It was indeed, but you could see by the celebrations, I mean, Van Dijk, Allison. I mean, everybody really was just delighted to get through. And that brought us into the second round where, you know, as if facing PSG and Napoli wasn't difficult enough, we were then drawn with, you know, the German giants Bayern Munich. Very tough draw for us, I thought, but, uh, you know, but, you know, I had, you know, maybe it was a, you know, we we, we could still, I I believed at that point that we could beat them. Uh, The first match at Anfield finished nil-nil. Fabinho started, had a very good match. Matip too, and you know, this time I believe it was uh, sort of towards the end of February, Fabinho had, I mean, we'd seen now over the past few months how he had, you know, become a really important part of the team. Uh, Matip again had an excellent match. Um, It was worth noting that Kimmich um, got a booking, which meant that he'd missed the second leg, If in case you'd forgotten that. Uh, And uh, the thing that struck me about it um, was that Bayern was celebrating at the final whistle. Uh, They were celebrating a lot at the final whistle because, you know, they'd managed to shut Liverpool out, you know, they hadn't conceded a goal. But I I was confused by that and and, uh, I did a bit of a preview piece on the Bayern Munich, uh, excellent Bayern Munich website, uh, Mia San Rot. Um, And, uh, you know, I remember mentioning how how that confused me because, you know, nil-nil... It's not the worst result, especially when you don't concede an away goal. Um, so although, yeah, Manny and Salah missed a couple of chances for us, I was still confident, Fergus. I mean, um, how were you feeling about this match? Yeah, I, I was confident too. I was surprised by Bayern's um, uh, defensive approach. Niko Kovac has got a reputation for being a defensive coach. And they were really well drilled, actually. They played a bit like a, 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 a super super form of Burnley, really, because they just did <laughs> they did four five one, and um, they defended brilliantly. Actually, I was very impressed with their defending, but I was really surprised by their lack of adventure. So, um, as you say, it, it was um, you know they celebrated at the end, but I, I think that this is a match where where Kater really came um, came of age in this match. He had um, he had three shots and uh, he had uh, um, five dribbles, four dribbles according to the stats as well. So he had a brilliant match this time. And um, overall, we we had um, 15 shots uh, on goal and only two on target. So um, it was a really a credit to to Bayern's defending because we we had a it was 50-50 possession, but it just felt like we we were attacking i don't know why it didn't seem like 50 50. Um, in fact byron had slightly slightly more possession than us but uh, we had 15 shots to um to to their uh, uh nine i think so um anyway it was a match where, where where we felt like we were doing all the work and they were defending and uh i was actually quite confident going to the second leg that i didn't think that nil nil you know nil nil is not good enough in the champions league away from home um you know the away goal as we all know know is so crucial um so you know i i don't think bayern should have been so confident going to the second leg 
although they you know they're creditable uh, getting a nil nil at Anfield now everyone knows how hard it is to go to Anfield but I was surprised by their lack of ambition really yeah that's a very good answer and I like uh, I like the term super Burnley that's fantastic yeah um Shane what did you make of it all yeah it felt like a false start to our uh, to our knockout stage um it was rather interesting getting Bayern on the draw for the uh, for the for the round of 16. It seemed like as if the now looking back on it, as if the football gods were were trying to set up the best storyline possible. And uh, what better way than to set up a uh, to set up a second leg Allianz Arena uh, match with a club against Bayern? Um, yeah. So I was. I was, uh, what, what would be the word? I was excited. I was, uh, it was a little sensational to me that we had drawn Bayern, and I was looking forward to that. And I think Fergus was absolutely right earlier in uh, what he was saying about Keita. I noticed that Keita had come into form as well. Um, but it seemed what we were lacking overall in the day was our, our clinical finishing quality. Uh, we did have that one chance uh, when Mane had the box and he spun around and he actually just put the ball uh, to the wide right. Overall, though, from what I've noticed is that um, we looked threatening and it seemed like it was a rough physical game for us. Anfield was in full voice. But, yeah, we just we just didn't get away. We just didn't come away with like a one vital goal. And it felt like we kind of deserved one vital goal. So I was perplexed. Uh, by their celebrations as well, because if we get one goal on the road, then it's gonna ha- it can't end as a scored draw. So um, so yeah, um, it was it was quite the interesting match. Um, some hopeful things. Uh, but I think they were a little bit covered up by the negative and by the result. That's another marvelous summary. Thank you very much. And yes, um, you know, going you know talking about the away goal. I mean, in the return match, that was on the thirteenth of March at the Allianz Arena. Um, absolutely superb match. 3-1 to Liverpool, of course. And Sadio Mane opened the scoring with that goal that I personally, I've seen, I mean, if I've seen it less than 100 times, I would be absolutely shocked. Um, you know, it, it, it was that long pass by Virgil... Van Dijk and on the official Champions League website I noticed that you know on this game that simply says Mane scores twice that his first one after a Neuer error now I watched it for about the 154th time today Neuer comes out quickly because the pass from Virgil is so good that if Mane takes any kind of normal touch and the keeper doesn't come out, then Mane's through on goal one-on-one about, you know, 10 yards out. And, you know, that's really difficult. So the keeper, for me, actually doesn't make too bad a decision to come out because he expects Mane to take one normal touch and then Neuer would be in a position to to spread himself and get the ball or to kick it clear. And I don't think it was that much of an error because what actually happened is that Mane took a superhuman touch. He took a supernatural first touch where he just killed the ball and then his second touch to spin away from Neuer. I mean, his reactions, he's, 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 he's on a different planet to other people, to us mere mortals in terms of he sees the world so much faster. He's processing 
the frames much quicker than everyone else. His second touch was also a masterpiece. And then his third touch, I mean, I mentioned a wafted chip pass from defence, is one of my least favourite passes in football, but a wafted chip with your wrong foot over two Bayern Munich defenders into the corner of the goal is still something that gives me goosebumps. It's absolutely incredible. I'm going to watch that goal for the rest of my life. After that one, Matip scored an own goal. I don't know if people remember that. And and the score became 1-1. But then Liverpool, there was a solidity. And I think this will be forgotten. Just how solid we were after that own goal, which was so heartwarming to watch. And then Virgil... Wonderful timing in the 69th minute, scoring with a bullet header into the bottom corner uh, from a corner, uh, restoring our lead. And then, I I don't know, Bayern, they seem deflated and again, more solid defending. Mane second, which is another moment that might be forgotten. Um, Salah, for me, played the pass of the season. Um, the crazy geometry of it. Uh, he had two central defenders in front of him, basically, and Manny was making a move to the left as, as Salah was looking at him, to the left of the second defender. And he just played this pass with the outside of his left foot that was pure perfection, and I don't even know how he saw it. That's my quick review of this match in in the Allianz Arena. It was another classic Liverpool European night, in my opinion. It was brilliant, it was dominant, it was strong, and it was was absolutely fantastic to watch. Did you manage to see this one, Fergus? Yes, I did, and I thought it was, overall, it was... Um, Liverpool's best performance of the season up until that time and in fact I still think it was Liverpool's best performance and most important performance of the season because up until this time if you remember in the league it came at a time when when we'd drawn several matches you know we'd had a brilliant time up until Christmas well in fact the, the league campaign started a bit slowly when people were sort of complaining um, that um, um, that uh, Salah wasn't scoring, we weren't attacking enough, and then we went through that Christmas period, we were absolutely fantastic, and then Man City away happened, and we lost 2-1 away, and then we had a, a bit of a, a, a poor period um, d- during the, the spring with draws with West Ham and and um, Everton and Man United, and, and then this Bayern uh, game came along, you know, the, the nil-nil at home, as you said, Bayern were prematurely celebrating at Anfield but when we went away we showed such class and maturity and it really was it was a watershed moment for the season after this do you know after this game we actually won every single league game from from the Bayern game going forward Liverpool season changed when you go to the 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 Bayern arena and and basically just school them and, and that's what we did and you know Liverpool we have been a great team in the past but uh coming into this season you know we we have been a bit of Champions League underdogs because we we um you know we've been out in the wilderness for quite a few years um ever since Benitez left actually so to to go to the Bayern arena and um and 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 
just dominate them so totally. And they're, they're the, you know, in the past decade, they've been aristocrats of, of the Champions League. They've got to almost every single semi-final over the past decade. And, and here we were, we went there and we just, they, they were utterly and completely defeated. And, and when you look at, the, um, look at the stats of the game, Mane, Mane was man of the match. He, he had, uh, he had uh, two shots on targets and he had uh, five dribbles. Salah had four dribbles. So what that means was, and, and Mane had two goals. Really, um, Bayern had most of the possession, 57.8% of the possession. But we, but we were lethal on the counter-attack counter with Mane's five dribbles and Salah's four and Bobby dropping back and, and helping out. So it, it meant our players could start to think, you know, if we can go to Bayern and dominate and win, then uh, we can beat anyone. And, and that's what they did. That's an excellent summary. Yes, Shane, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Absolutely, without a doubt. It was brilliant. I believe Fergus said it uh, quite well. Uh, thank you, Fergus, for putting it so beautifully. If there was ever a time to use the word kick on, it would be after this match. This is the match where we truly kicked on as a team, as a club. I had noted, actually, uh, I think, I believe in my first uh, podcast with you guys, that this game, for me, was a landmarker. It was a, uh, or a milestone. It was, that, it was that point in the road, that fork in the road, where, yes, after this game, we do go on to win every single uh, league game after that. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was very, very, very exciting. Uh, we were able to... Um, you know, knock Bayern out. We were able to take out some Champions League nobility. It instills confidence in Klopp and what he's doing. It instills confidence in his coaching staff. It instills confidence in our players and what we're doing. Um, and then also, it got rid of that 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 mojo that had the negative mojo that had been hanging around us uh, for the away uh, fixtures for this Champions League campaign. It's the first one that we didn't lose. Um, so it was qu quite a good time to actually get it into gear. Um, and get it into gear, we did. Uh, Robinson uh, had uh, Robertson. Oh, my goodness. That might have been two weeks in a row that I accidentally said Robinson. I have his shirt, so I should never be able to mispronounce his name ever. Robertson <laughs> had absolutely quality crosses. His quality of service was outstanding. And then Virgil van Dijk's header. From this point, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Virgil van Dijk had not had a single goal other than his debut at the Everton uh, in the Merseyside Derby against Everton in the FA Cup until this header. And since then, I believe he's gotten two other goals, two or three other goals. Um, but don't crucify me on that if I get it wrong. But I do remember uh, his header being very, very, very influential. It, it, uh, and then, yeah, Joel Matip, yeah, he had the, yeah, he had the own goal. It leveled it up. Uh, at one one apiece, but I thought his overall performance after that really atoned uh, for that sort of happenstance. So that he really kind of solidified it, and it didn't it, it didn't seem like it let him shake him. And he actually used it as a boost to sort of uh, uh, up his game, if you will. Um, so yeah, I think at this point we started giving ourselves credence as contenders. Uh, like I was saying earlier, we started believing in ourselves of what we could do, and at this point. Uh, through the whole club, the holy trinity of the manager, the supporters, and the team started to believe. And we all know what that will lay the, the groundwork for coming up. Belief, yeah, I love that. I love that. Sorry, Fergus, you wanted to say something? Yeah, just on that, Owen, yeah, as far as Neuer, um, as a former uh, goalkeeper myself, I think that actually was an error. I mean, if I came to the edge of the box, basically he, he got into the... Um, 
the, the central defender's uh, space. I think it was it was Shula, and um, he really should have left it to Shula to clear. Uh, by by coming to the edge, he exposed himself. If he'd stayed on his line, he could have easily caught that shot from from Mane. Obviously, Mane, you know, we have to think that he was. He had the spatial awareness to know where the keeper was and when the where the central defender was. So he basically just turned and swilled on it in one go and put it past the keeper. But for me, that was def definitely um, a goalkeeping error. It was a positional error. I mean, it wasn't. He, he couldn't have saved it in the position he was in, but he shouldn't have been in that position. Well, okay, we'll agree to disagree. Because for me, like I said. I don't know. Yes, he he is in a strange position. But if Mane had taken any kind of normal touch, then, you know, he would have got it. And people would have said, you know, Neuer, wow, you know, really good at coming out of his goal. But as it was, Mane's skill and, and extraordinary talent uh, took it past him. But anyway, thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been, it's been so nice to go back and relive uh, some of our road to Madrid. I mean, we're going to be... Uh, back very soon. Copon will be back probably next week uh, to talk about, you know, the Porto tie, the Barcelona tie, and to really preview the Spurs match. Um, there are some very encouraging statistics uh, about Liverpool against Spurs about, you know, all season. But um, one uh, question I'm going to just chuck at you off the bat. You didn't know I was going to ask you this. Do you know... Uh, Shane, I'll ask you first. Um, which of our players has covered the most distance in the Champions League this season? Who do you think it is who's done the most defensive running? Hmm. My, I am, I am, hmm. I believe it's going to be Andrew Robinson. Final answer. That's a good answer. I'm. Uh, what do you think, Fergus? Do, would you agree? Yes, I'd agree as well. Since you gave it away, you said defensive running because I thought Milner might be in there, but uh, I think you half gave it away, so I'd say Robertson as well. Oh, sorry, I mean defensive running, um, but I mean like you know in terms of the distance cover because defensive because you don't have the ball usually when you're running. Uh, you know, I mean sometimes you run with the ball, of course, but uh, you know a lot of the time you're. You know, distance covered in general. Not, I'll give you a clue, Fergus. It's not Robertson. So, I mean, you know. I'll, I'll go, for, just to be different uh, from Shane, I'll go for uh, James Milner. Very good answer. But the actual answer is Sadio Mane. He's covered more kilometres than any other Liverpool player in the Champions League, which I find a bit surprising. But at the same time, uh, it's something that he doesn't get enough credit for is his defensive work and his, you know, his absolute commitment to to running his nuts off for the Liverpool cause. He's third on the list uh, of, you know, of all players of distance covered in the Champions League. The top two out of interest are, are Tadic and Van Der Beek, both from Ajax, of course. Uh, and I'm glad we're not playing them in the final because I was just looking at stats and how utterly brilliant they've been, especially considering the quality of their opposition uh, to get all the way to the semi-final. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite happy we're playing Spurs, I've got to say. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, thank you so, so much. It's been really nice to relive this with you. And, uh, you know, um, we'll, we'll, you know, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Owen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much, Owen. Thank you so very much, Fergus. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's been great fun. So that brings us to the end of part one of Cop On, The Road to Madrid. I do hope you've enjoyed it. I sincerely do. You, the adored and cherished listener. Please let me know. Um, coponpodcast at gmail.com uh, and you can rate and review on iTunes if and only if you can be asked. My name is Owen and we'll be back in your ears very shortly. For now, thank you again. Thank you again. Thank you.